Hey everyone, this is Drew from Mediocre Conversations with Tom and Drew. And this week, before the episode, we are going to offer up a little bit of an oops-a-daisy on our part, uh, and more specifically my part. Uh, during the episode you're about to listen to, I referred to the lead actor of the Mandalorian television show as Pascal Maynard, and that is incorrect. Um, the character's and more appropriately, the actor's name is Pedro Pascal from shows such as Narcos and, of course, The Mandalorian. So we'd like to apologize for that. And just to say uh, thank you. Lastly, there is a brief four or five second uh, pause of dead air in the middle of the episode where uh, Tom and I are both trying to recall something uh, but are unable to. So if you can forgive us for that, we would greatly appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Mediocre Conversations. I'm Tom. And I'm Drew. And this is a podcast where the only thing we guarantee is mediocrity. So you're welcome. All right. It's a great hook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no unbiased opinion. Right. I believe today you wanted yes. to continue a conversation we started in a, one of our previous podcasts. Yeah, so long ago about boba. Not talking the tea. Yeah, talking the fet. You know, I just remembered this as you were as you said his name. Mm-hmm. There is a great like fan made um, music video about Boba Fett. Okay, if you go on YouTube and search for it, it's it's really quite funny. Just check that out. Okay. I don't know. I can do it right now while you guys wait. I'll do. I'll do it later. I'll do it. Ah, so good. All right. Anyways, check that out. But yeah, this is probably next to like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, probably one of the richest characters in Star Wars, especially before Lucasfilms bought them out, like in 2014. Which is interesting or Disney for me to know about. Mm-hmm. because I only knew that he was in the background of, of, of a movie, of a right. movie film. Mm-hmm. And then people were like, what's he about? And then they were like, okay, we'll, we'll do more with him. But I didn't realize that there was like a lot about him. Well, basically the way that the character has come about to become such a big part of the star Wars universe is exactly what you just described, Mm -hmm. which is he is just a guy hanging out at Jabba's palace and he had a jetpack and a rifle and a really cool visor and someone somewhere thought, Hey, that guy looks just really cool. Mm -hmm. What's his story? Yeah. You know, and so we see him a little bit in the Empire Strikes Back. We see him a little bit in Return of the Jedi, um, including his death scene when he falls into the Sarlacc pit. Spoilers. Well, it, the movie came out like 30 years ago, so I don't know if we need to do that. <laughs> um, and then since return of the jedi there's been like a growing interest in like who and what this guy was all about Mm -hmm. so eventually there was a a book a paperback book that was written about not only like his kind of adventures um but also like what and i believe one of those adventures was what happened to him when he was in the sarlacc pit 
Yeah. And so basically with that, so um, if in, I think it's return of the Jedi Jabba says to Luke, like in the pit of the Sarlacc, like you'll come to know a new definition of pain and suffering as you're slowly digested over 10,000 years. Oh yeah. So it's a really slow process. So they, they banked on that. And then they were like, this guy's armor is probably really great stuff. And it is. So it's made of this uh, material called Beskar, which is so strong that can even stop lightsabers. Yeah. And it gave him a fighting chance in the Sarlacc pit. So anyways, with the help of a friend, he manages to get out of the Sarlacc pit. I'm not real. Now, is this a friend that he made in the Sarlacc pit? Was he just like, hey, hey, I'm Boba. I'm Jim. I don't believe so. Okay. So um, his communication devices were probably still working then. Something. And then he's like, hey, Jim. It's been 25 years since I've read sure. the story. But sure, like sure. Um, his friend's name is Dengar, who's also a bounty hunter who had worked with Boba for uh, probably years at that point. And so Dengar is the one that actually helps like pull him out of the pit. Mm-hmm. And then he gets, that's how they bring him back from the dead, basically. And like, he goes on to like lead this amazing career of what it is to like catch people and bring them in for bounties. Cause he's a bounty hunter. Yeah. <clears throat> and so from that point, you get more and more books, you get more and more stuff where he's included. And then you start to see the expansion of the race that he belongs to, which are the Mandalorians. Yeah. Really take off in popularity. And so now they're so popular that like the leading Star Wars product that we have here is based around their identity and culture in the Mandalorian. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they take a front and center seat in whatever Disney decides to do for the next 10, 15, 20 years, because they, they seem to have a huge appeal yeah. to a lot of Star Wars fans. It's pretty cool that something that's not a Jedi has garnered this much popularity. Yeah. Which yeah. is great because in order for star Wars to continue to thrive, you need people to be interested in different aspects of what the, that's true. The show or the books or can just be a one trick Tom Tom, you know, exactly. God, Tom Tom's are so stupid. Love it. Love it. Uh, real quick. Let's say that during, during the rescue, Dangar. Yeah. Accidentally got swallowed himself. Yeah. And then, in 10,000 years, he would have been digested and passed through. And then he most likely would have became Dangar Berries. God, that's something I probably have to comment on. Uh, you don't have to. Good. I'm not Personally, ask. I think it, it bears no comment or needs no comment. Excellent. Okay. I just thought of that. Needed to say it clearly. Comedy gold. Yeah. Or brown. so so the whole thing starts with just intrigue so what sort of is uh is the history behind like the mandalorians it's funny uh crystal got me a mandalorian shirt it says mandalorian on it but it has boba fett sure and so she was kind of upset to realize that it wasn't mando on my shirt i was like oh this is awesome boba fett 
And she's like, uh, what are you talking about? I was like, this is not, this is not the Disney guy that hangs out with Grogu. This is the main, this is the OG. Yeah. Or the OM. Right. Yeah. She, I, if, in my opinion, if I had a, if I had a, if a, a girlfriend or a wife yeah. that bought me a shirt with a Mandalorian yeah. on it, I'd yeah. throw confetti up in the air. And yeah. No, it was great. Things. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. But no, she's just like, what are you talking about? She should in no way feel bad. <laughs> no, no. She, a, she certainly doesn't. She was present. just surprised. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. So originally, and I don't have all the information, but I'll give mm-hmm. you what I know. Originally, I ask. The, the, the people who were the Mandalorians or who became the Mandalorians lived on the planet Coruscant. Okay. And they were a race called the Tong. And they were tall warlike but they had like the important thing to know about the tong were that they had a very strict code of honor and so as the tong continued to have these battles with an ever-growing like republic and other races um they can't replace their armies fast enough and they start to incorporate like let's call it like a like back in feudal times like a peasant militia kind of a situation where if you adopted mm-hmm. their culture, you could fight with them. Could so you call they, yourself one of them? You would. You could call yourself a Mandalorian. Well, and so basically, what happened was whether you were human or any other race, if you adopted the like honor code and the culture, you were. It's a lot like saying Judaism, right? Mm-hmm. If they are their own culture and race unto themselves, sure. And that's kind of what the Mandalorians have developed into. Like it does, it doesn't matter where you came from, who you are, if you adopt, adopt it. Yeah. You are a member of, you can then call yourself that. Yes. And they won't consider it cultural appropriation or anything like that. So by the time that we get to the characters that most of us know from like the, the screen or like the video games, Mm -hmm mandalorian culture has almost exclusively become represented by humans or very human-like races so and the Mm -hmm. tong have all but died out um and so over the course of thousands of years the new look mandalorian culture kind of like is nomadic and yeah they don't really have a home world. They, they find a world called Mandalore. Okay. And that's where they settle. And then, um, then they, with, with no one else to fight, you fight each other, right? That's kind of the problem that people have had. And so there's civil wars, there's unrest. They're not getting anything done. They're not expanding or. Cause like li- the different like tribes or sects of Mandalore pop up, right? Correct. So and that's what eventually happens is like eventually you have like a culture derived of mostly humans or like Twi'leks or whomever else and so mm-hmm. eventually those people marry have kids and now you get like family lines and lineages and so now you have Mandalorian clans and mm-hmm. so they're all invested in their own power their own politics and then what it also means to be a Mandalorian and so eventually these houses or these clans compete for political control of this planet. Because they're all on one planet, right? 
no. at some, at one point in their history, they're all on one planet. The history of the Mandalorians um, at this point is basically like they all come together and unify. Something happens. They all disperse into the galaxy, and then they'll come back together, and then they'll sure. disperse out through the galaxy, and it's just kind of this cycle. And so, <clears throat> what we family? What's that? It's because that's the importance of family, right? Yeah. So, Don't like, Toretto would be proud. Oh all. God! Don't talk to me about Fast and Furious. <laughs> so, um, like in the Clone Wars television show, like a pacifist version of the Mandalorians has been introduced, <clears throat> and then the people that hold on to the quote-unquote old ways, who are militaristic and use yeah. violence to solve their problems, are the bad guys. But mm-hmm. by the time that we get to the Mandalorian television show, all of those people that were introduced in the in the in the cartoon yeah are the people that are like we're the ones that are going to be the, you know, yeah clearly deciding we're the future of our race right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I have, I have a question yeah you mentioned that they're very at least initially that the tong mm-hmm. are very um rules dip driven or or um, so there's like a code like, yeah code driven that's right yeah. which i really enjoy I'm sure I'm sure that's most people, but like, you know, how they're just like, hey, you're gonna have to do this the harder way because that's how you do it. And you're just right. like, you got it. Right. You know. But so there wasn't anything in their code about like, hey, don't don't fight other Mandalorians or don't fight other family members. Well, so the to the best of my knowledge, like yeah. their code it, it can be distinctly different based upon what so like time period we're talking right? about it it does change so like let's talk about the code that the people from the show the mandalorian mm-hmm. adhere to right yeah, yeah so from what i understand that group is a splinter faction of something that was known as death watch yeah and so now they're called the watch and they're basically like isolationists mandalorians who are intent on maintaining their cultural purity mm-hmm and so while wearing the, matching armor that only they wear and going around so that's a big part of it right so like hunting. okay so like their armor and their weapons are not only like the tools of their trade but also deeply significant in their religion mm-hmm. so like when mando has a problem like taking his helmet off and showing his face to an enemy right that is like a religious yeah you know predominant why why is that do you know why they're not supposed to take off their helmet the only the only way i would answer that is based on what i was given from the show and what what i was what i take away from the show is that particular group believes that anyone who is not them is their enemy either right now or in the future Mm -hmm. and so you don't show your enemy your true face sure that makes sense but then there, there there are other ones that we run into Correct. So then we we run into um, Bo Katan, who I believe is from Clan Crees, and she and her like people that hang out in the set with her are from mm-hmm. a group called the Night Owls, which yeah. is like their military outfit that they were with, and <clears throat> they don't mind showing their faces. Yeah, she pop, popped her helmet right off. Right. If and she so ever if she ever retires to Florida, she would be uh, Boca Tan from Boca Raton. I just wanted to. 
anyway continue you are on your game tonight <laughs> so um she would be you yeah. know so but we also learn from her that like she has her own code right so like in the final episode so there i will throw out spoiler warnings for yeah the last episode of the second season of the mandalorian yeah so spoilers ahead so when the man when mando gets that um dark saber yes from moff gideon whoever has possession of that is basically like oh you're the president slash prime minister of mandalore <laughs> because you hold on to this weapon that's a good i want to know that's 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 a part of everyone's uh code right <laughs> yeah it's very much like i pulled the sword from the stone and now yeah. i have the right to rule england kind of a deal but the stone is just some other dude right yeah his guts right yeah so so like at the end of the episode he's like i don't really want to do this and i don't care and it's just the four of us so like how's about i just give you the sword and we, all of our problems go away yeah and she if you look at her in that moment in that screen on the screen she's like you know i really can't do this like she knows that she's got to like kill him and take mm -hmm. it away from him in order to be worthy of holding it and therefore leading her people, which I think is going to be the big storyline in season three is like, how do, how does Mando and Bo-Katan resolve? Cause now, because, because he took it from that Imperial, yeah, they're on a collision course that only can end up with one of them being dead. Right. 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 So either he's going to lead them, which I can't imagine he wants to do. Isn't, aren't those always the best rulers? Those that don't want to rule? I would imagine like the ones that have to like take up the mantle. Mm -hmm. I mean, there would be no better way. You know how, so like, you know how like his, um, I can't remember what they call it. Like they're like the covert or whatever it was like his group. Yeah. In season one, they, they like to say, this is the way yeah, to yeah. each other and understanding like, okay, no more problems. We're going to, we're all on the same page. There would be no better way to bring that philosophy to the forefront of Mandalorian culture if then if he were to assume the mantle of Mandalore. Sure. You think he would go through like in, in, uh, imposing his religion on all the other Mandalorians then? I think the way that it would work out is that if he were to take up the Darksaber and like the situation in season three un un unveils itself in a way where the rest of the Mandalorian culture saw him leading them to victory over like a hated oh, rival sure. like the empire i would think that they would emulate him and what he believes okay and so then it wouldn't be just like we're going to drop away all uh, everything else that we believe in but this is what you believed in and you accomplished this great thing for all of us so i could i could see how like popular opinion could sure you know re-energize those you'll get some fans you're saying right and you know yeah. and to be honest like I think, and this is just a guess, but I'm betting that season three of The Mandalorian is the last one that we get. Yeah. And so if they left it off where like he's holding the Darksaber above his head and there's like all these other Mandalorians and they're different like colored armor and all that kind of stuff. And they're all like, Mandalore, Mandalore. I'm going to yeah. be like, best ending in history. Don't do anything else with it. <laughs> right, right. I'm I'm stoked. Just leave know? it. Yeah. So... I guess how did we get to where we are? Because we end up meeting up with Boba Fett, right? Recently, we do. Yep. Right. And it was so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, but like, what led up to that? So like, there has to 
you know, there's all this infighting and stuff. Why are they called Mandalorians instead of what they sh- would normally or where they originally came from be called? Because they, they, they went to Mandalore, right? So that's a good question. So I'd have to, I'd actually have to look up the yeah. timing. So like, I don't know if they found the planet and named it Mandalore. Okay. Or took their name from the planet. I imagine it's the first one. Mm-hmm. But the Tonga, where, where, where were they originally? They're from Coruscant, like the galactic yeah. capital. Yeah. So, okay. I guess they didn't want to be called the Coruscantians. Were they called something else before they went to Mandalore? Um, I believe they were called the Tong, and then I don't know how they ended up. I, mean, I believe the Mandalorians took their name from the planet that they mm-hmm. found, they colonized. But I think what really okay, so I think what happened was, as I'm remembering it off the top of my head, yeah, it makes for great listening. Yeah. Ah, hey, it makes the for leader, mediocre listening. The okay. leader of the Tong was known as um, was known as the Mandalore. Oh, interesting. Which which means something like chief among chiefs or something to that effect. So they're all chief among chiefians now. Yeah, that's that's great. That's I will great. say one thing though, um, the Mandalorian culture. Uh, I'm sorry, the Mandalorian language, much like the Dothraki language from Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. was developed by this. I'm not sure what the name of it is off the top of my head, but it's a language institute that I believe is based in Los Angeles. And you, it is considered to be, along with Klingon, hmm. one of the three languages not originating like from an Earth-based culture that you can actually speak fluently on Earth. It's a completely developed language. That's crazy. If you wanted to learn to speak Mandalorian, you can. Oh, man. You can just download the PDF from their website. That's all it takes. Yeah. And Dothraki, which sounds really cool. Huh. I didn't realize Mandalorian was a, that they spoke a different language. So their language is called Mandoa. Okay. But like, because they are bounty hunters predominantly, it helps that they speak a plethora of other languages or mm-hmm. at least understand them. And the ones that we hear in all Star Wars being spoken is something called common, which is the trade language or like the language we all came up with because we can all speak it together yeah there it is you can learn it on youtube too nice interesting <clears throat> can do that so instead of french or Spanish. you at, yeah, no kidding right? be, like, <laughs> like, be like we show up at one of our high school basketball games we break out to this dothraki chant yeah. i think that'd be pretty sweet but you asked the question like how did we get here yeah so here's how we got here um at one point in history there was a mandalorian who was sensitive to the force and he went and trained with a jedi and he forged the dark saber which looks just like a katana that's a lightsaber that's pretty sweet and it's black and bo katan wanted the katana so that's correct bo Bo katan's katana right that's right you're really on your wordplay today (laughs) So, and then he leaves the order. He's one of the 20, I believe, that leaves the order. Goes back to Mandalore. Um, like, re, like puts himself back into politics. Leads his clan. And, like, unites the clans under his rule, effectively. Or something mm-hmm. to that. Something close to that. So then, because of that, he who has the right to rule has to be the strongest among whoever's the challengers to, to rule. And so whoever can get the Darksaber 
is the leader. So what's and stopping everyone from always fighting over this object that gives you supreme leadership? So much like uh, is it the code Arthur, right? Mm. It's it's this kind of thing where it's like there's going to be a fight for that object that denotes leadership. And at the end of that fight, we basically all agree that whoever ends up with it is worthy of having it and therefore worthy of being followed. Okay. As opposed to just being like, okay, round six, who's next in the ring? You know, like we're just going to keep duking out because then nothing ever gets done. Now all these, anyone can join. That's really interesting because anyone can join or become a Mandalorian just by adopting their ways. Right. Correct. At any age. So when in the show, we see flashbacks to when during the clone wars, Mm -hmm. Mando or, um, Oh no, I can't remember his name. Pascal. Yeah. Pascal Maynard's character. I know. I can't remember it either. Mando. Um, he's a kid. His parents put him in like a, storage container right. so that the droids won't shoot him that's why he hates droids yeah and then he gets rescued by some mandalorian troopers and they raise him in the culture and that's how he became a mandalorian so could like some 30 year old roll up there and be like yeah i'll do what you guys i'll, I'll believe what you guys believe i so i would think that would be a yes here's how i would imagine it would go down imagine if you moved to japan you got it and was just like now i'm a member of your culture let's go they're all doing their you know living their lives like it's not like you would have a rough time you know finding your role within that culture figuring out the language yeah yeah what it all means you would need a you would need a buddy to help you out yeah and so like that's the part of the culture that doesn't seem to have like an outreach program you know (laughs) it's like they're not actively recruiting people to become mandalorians you know if it's like we're adopting somebody into the clans like they spent a lot of the time um in the first season of the mandalorian talking about um how they call them something like oh the beskar will go toward many foundlings that's what it was and so it's it's going to support so it makes it sound it's a lot more like jediism just where i know you know where i want to go but i know uh, i I read it all over your face but just that most of them are are children which is probably from like the families making them right do they still do they call the kids that are born into it foundlings as well which would make gin gin daring or Din Jaren, something like that. That's the guy's name from the show. Um, oh, good. So here's my here's my take on it. I don't know definitively, mm-hmm. but like my take on it is like when it came to the guy, the character of the Mandalorian. Yeah. <clears throat> I imagine that when those guys picked him up, he he probably he was probably old enough to know what their name his name was, mm-hmm. and he I could very easily see him being like, I'm Din Jaren. And then they called him that, or they're like, you're not that anymore. You're this. And he gets used to like coming up in there. What is his Mandalorian name? So his, the, the name of the character on the show is Din Jaren, I think. Okay. 
And so everyone refers to him as Mando because no one knows who the hell he is. Yeah. Because you don't let anyone, you're not friends with anybody that's not a Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if they assign you a new name. Like sometimes like when I adopt a dog from the pound and its name's Peaches, and I'm yeah. like, no, you're really more of a Rufus, you know, like you can get, you can get renamed. I'm not sure if that's what happens, but like, even at these points where their culture is, has been devastated by something else, whether it's the empire or a natural disaster or whatever else it is, like they don't actively go out and recruit. Right. Like it's at one point the Tong recruited so they could keep winning wars but after that, like there really wasn't like a driving force to, to incur outsiders. Like even on the show, the Mandalorian, like you, you get the idea that like, you're, if you're not one of us, you're really not one of us. Right. Sure. You know? And so like, there isn't like some trial if you want to do it as an adult or they're just like, we got to make sure because my whole, my whole reason for asking is because I got to imagine that you know if you if you're coming in when you're older yeah that and you're just like either evil or power hungry or whatever i mean obviously you're going to have to be able to, to defeat a mandalorian to get the dark saber which is a uh, a task in and of itself right yeah. but like not easy what's to stop anyone from just being like i'll just i'll just kill him and then i'll i'll be i'll be the guy just because i want to be so in order to accomplish that, the, there's two things that I think you have to do. One of which you just described, you have to get the saber somehow, right? Right. And so, like, the way that Bo-Katan makes it seem is that you have to get the saber in a way or a manner that's going to be recognized by everybody else as, like, legit. Like, you got that through legit means. Not like, I snuck up behind this dude, clubbed him over the back of the head snatched it off his belt and ran away and now i get to i get to make policy on like what we all do right that that wouldn't cut it right the other thing is it can't just be some like wannabe that no one else recognizes as a mandalorian already like even though like bo katan's group and the group that mando is from don't see eye to eye philosophically Mm -hmm. they both can tell that like they're like cousins yeah you know, so it's like, I know that like we're family. I just don't agree with much about what you say. Mm-hmm. But you know, they can't really say you're not a Mandalorian. But there's like, yeah, there's like a a basis of respect and honor and and the fact that they follow this code. And if you, no matter who you are, like say you were just like someone who was like disaffected with the way where you came up and you decided that that was the culture for you. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's a quick and easy method. I think it's like you have to spend a lifetime of earning everyone's respect. Wash them dishes. Wash them. Do whatever you're told. (laughs) Yeah. As you're told, take your beatings. And that's what life is like until they're like, I know in my, at at the bedrock of my soul that if like it's down to you and me, you've got my back. Yeah. For no other reason than you and I agree on how we should live our lives. And that kind of respect mm-hmm. does not come quick. So that's why I don't think they're out there. Like, I think that this group that the Mando belonged to, 
was actively looking to grow their ranks. And so I think that they were actively looking to raise kids in, oh, the, sure. in, the, in the faith, so to speak, right? When, when he became one, you're saying. So when he was picked up, rather. I think they just rescued him and like okay. raised yeah, him because yeah. they, they took responsibility for him. But like in the first couple episodes of the series, he like takes his winnings or whatever down to like the armorer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, and they have a conversation or whatever. And you can even see some little Mando kids like running around their little tiny helmets. You know, and it's like, I think what has to happen is that whatever their group's philosophy really boils down to is that there's got to be someone out there earning a living for all of them. And like, as the money frees up, there's more opportunities for those kids to to get training or being taught or whatever acquiring resources it means to teach them what it's going to be like to be a Mandalorian. Yeah, it's all for the betterment of the race. Correct yeah but if you if you then hung out with bo-katan's people Mm -hmm. it might be something totally different yeah because they don't mind showing their face they're a little less orthodox right exactly that's a good word for it orthodox yeah that's interesting so obviously then there was turmoil with them among all of the mandalorians right yeah oh various calamities throughout the centuries yes this group is not one that's at peace long is it what you would think it would be uh, whenever a religion exists because i'm just going to say that it's a religion sure um where they're just like my religion's better no my religion's better and that's why they fight well so i would so here's my here's my take on things typically when we're talking about like near extinction level events for a culture the Mandalorians typically do that to themselves. So what ends up happening is there's usually somebody who unites the different clans and becomes Mandalore. Yeah. And they usually get some title like the great or the conqueror or whatever. And then that guy pledges the whole society to something. Typically that's Sith Lords. Sure. And so then they end up being like the cannon fodder and like super effective shock troops of whatever sith army in the olden days wanted to make trouble for the, the jedi and the in the republic and so then the sith just use them up right, right. and so then it's like well we're it's going to take us 18 centuries to like rebuild back up to these numbers because we've just been decimated you know but then eventually they do and then so like in the clone wars show um there had been a natural disaster on their home planet and now they have to live in these huge dome cities they can't go outside of the cities you'll die hmm. so like that i'm certain set them back a ways and then you know to, in order to maintain like the integrity of the cities and like not have everybody die i'm assuming that led to like them turning away from like their warlike past you know and so now yeah. you have living mandalorians most of whom don't believe in fighting like the way that you would see on the man like the television show the mandalorian but you still have those splinter groups like death watch that bo katan came from she was a lieutenant of the guy who ran death watch you know and um and like there are other groups like that you know and so you could almost have a ton of shows about just like the mandalorian oh god people yeah right 
I'm thinking I mean, a Game of Thrones style. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. I mean, um, A good radio yeah what we'll, we'll cut this out <laughs> yeah just the dead air where <laughs> i was thinking yeah. i'm sure i was trying to remember the different like groups so like over the years there have been groups like death watch or the crusaders or the neo crusaders or you know on and on and on with the, you know these so it things. seems like there's like a, a, a core core set of beliefs and some sort of either probably not change those but like add to them and be like okay well we're gonna we're gonna worship our god this way and we're gonna worship our god this way and we're gonna use our our power we want to use it for this particular purpose and we want to use it for that um i imagine some people don't like that right there had to be some people that were like hey i'm going to we're going to use this to protect the blue people and then this other Mandalorian sect was like, ah, well, we kind of already promised we would use ours to destroy the blue people, right? That probably happened at some point. I'm at certain some point there have been. Uh, we see in the Clone Wars and in Rebels, there are a number of times when like Mandalorians take different sides politically on a number of issues, mm -hmm. and that almost always leads to violence. So yeah, it's interesting that they're kind of depicted now as like, oh, cool, other Mandalorians yeah friends and when like in reality it's like uh you cool you cool with me right now you know i imagine that like say say you and i were brought up in the culture mm -hmm. um our friendship would look a lot more like all right i think i'm cooler than you so we're gonna get into a fight to figure out who's cooler right now sure as opposed to being like let's let's have this podcast where we talk about different <laughs> ideas <laughs> yeah but like you know, when in the second season, when he's going around, mm -hmm. he, um, you know, he comes across uh, Timothy Oliphant, spoiler yeah. alert, that that has Mandalorian armor. Yeah, Boba's. Yeah. That just, you know, all of a sudden makes him cool now. You mind if I you mind if I pick on that guy for a minute? Oh, please. I love Timothy Oliphant. I've watched a ton of the stuff that he's been in, and I yeah. think he's a great actor. And I I would watch him in a lot of other stuff. Yeah, I hated that character. Why? Okay, he's not a Mandalorian. That's he's true. Some dude that found Boba Fett's armor. Yeah. Okay, neat. Do you look cool wearing it? Even I look good in tux. I'm not James Bond. Okay, sure. Everyone, let's sure. cool our jets. Well, like I mean, was everyone? swooning over timmy timothy oliphant being in there first, wearing first of all, armor? his voice is like liquid gold right it like is. it's just you hear it you know who he is yeah you don't need to see his face and you just like it and you, yeah i mean he's generally a likable dude and so my only so i i the character's name is cobb vanth and i i firmly believe that he's either going to be given his own comic book run mm -hmm. or he'll be in a video game somewhere or sure. there might even be a reappearance of him in like the book of boba fett since it's on tatooine or something to that effect i don't care about any of that let's not call him a mandalorian they the name of the show was a mandal is mandalorian right they made it that was the hook that got mando's attention on mm -hmm. that guy they killed a crate dragon that shit was awesome by the way <laughs> like <clears throat> right um, so he's not however 
all it takes is for him to decide that he believes what they believe, right? And now That's he is step a Mandalorian. One. And then right. step two is getting everyone to believe that you're legit about it. Right. You know? Right. Which, I mean, you're led to believe this is sort of devolved into a Mandalorian discussion, but uh, you're sort of led to believe that he has what it takes. He helped him take down the dragon. Right. So I do think that like, say you and I were pledging the Mandalorians, right? Yeah. And we put on the armor. If we knew what we were doing, Mm -hmm. that's going to lend us to being accepted into the, into the frat house or whatever. Right. Into the clan. And so like when Mando sees him, he thinks he's legit because how else would you get Mandalorian armor? It's not just like, I can go into a shop somewhere and purchase this stuff. They make it themselves. Yeah. It's like, I can't go buy Amish food in the supermarket because it's not, they don't mass produce it. It's I have had, I was on a field trip and they made me food of theirs and it was great. Right. But I can't, that's the only way I can get it is. And if I decide to join up, then I can have it all the time. It's also interesting that because Boba Fett's armor is so, iconic yes like it just has to be that way but right i think his armor looks crappy compared to mando's okay decked out beskar mando's decked out beskar is like i don't so i don't know much about cars but pick (laughs) pick the actual dopest fuck italian they made four yeah, it's of like a phantom or something for oil bearing cars yeah. yeah that's what his armor is right. like when he walks into a room people are being like if i kill that dude yeah. i'm richer than my family has ever been which you can know? we just say how cool it is to just like be walking around with a tux made out of a million dollars everywhere oh, you go and just that like reflects bullets do something. yeah yeah i mean do like something it's, it's <laughs> I mean, when he walks into like the, like when he was walking into the bounty hunter guild to get his new yeah. stuff and everyone was looking at him, that was like, this guy's scary, legit. Like, you know, this is like a demon walked in. Yeah. And like, I need to pay attention to what's going on. And then you're also like, but if I killed that demon and sold its body, that my children's children's children will not be wanting. I, Garth Brooks said something right like he's made enough money in his life that like the next five generations couldn't spend it all yeah it's way more than that <laughs> I mean like this yeah. metal that they make that stuff out of is some of the most rare metal in Star Wars yeah you know so when that fat guy gave the bounty for Grogu and it's these little blocks of Beskar I want to see the baby right like that was you had to, I mean, like, that would be like, I could sell this child to yeah. this authoritarian government to get this stuff. I think I'll do it. It like, was basically Nazi gold, right? Basically. Because of the stamp on it and everything. It was just like, I mean, like, you, we don't talk about that. Okay. When we hear about, like, Jewish treasures being, yeah. like, appropriated by, like, the, the Vichy government in France or, like, yeah. the Nazi regime, like, and now how it's now skyrocketed in value since it's been stolen, like, that's what we're talking about. Like, yeah. So, so in a lot of like the role playing games that you can play, um, if you like D and D and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, when they've introduced rules for making a Mandalorian character, most of it incorporates with like what your armor looks like, what color okay. scheme you have, like do you have like 
um, special equipment built into your armor. Like Mando's got those darts, right? Yeah. They go in like a flamethrower. And that's kind of like whistling birds. I can't remember what they call them, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that chick, by the way, that yeah, armor she's lady. She's great. I can't wait to see her again. An interesting thing I'm remembering when she gives him at the very end of the first season, when she gives him the jetpack. Yeah. She tells him, like, you have to attune yourself to it. Otherwise, it won't listen to you. Right. Which is an, another interesting tidbit about the objects that they use and mm-hmm. like how like that somehow makes it sound like a lot of their weapons like become a part of you. Right. And you're able to just, you have this connection with these items and it must have something to do with the forging process and like their whole is, is it possible that that's like somehow linked to the force? No, it's not. So, I mean, like, okay. I, so next question. Uh, well, <laughs> Because I mean, it's an it's an inanimate object that you're now saying you have to you have to have a relationship with, otherwise it will not listen to you. So I think what so the 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 correlation there is not the force, but like the philosophy behind why each group feels that way. Okay. And so the Jedi with the lightsaber, like in Attack of the Clones, uh, Anakin loses his lightsaber in that like. Uh, chase scene where they're in the cars that float yeah and obi catches it right because you can just do that i think they just call them cars right whatever speeders and um he gives it back to him and he's like try not to lose it next time this weapon is your life right and so then they talk about like practicing with the the lightsabers until it's like an extension of like your arm or your will you know and so like you even hear um professional athletes in our culture talk about like what it means to like dribble basketball or tennis or something like that where like you feel more in tune like the racket is an extension of your body than it is necessarily a tool that you're using yeah and so mandalore mandalorians most of them or at least the idea of them that we conjure up when we think about them now they're living weapons and it's Mm -hmm. like being that living weapon is as much about a religious and cultural attunement Mm -hmm than um anything that you and i would have in our culture or religions right so when she's telling him like you need to become in tune with this weapon or this this thing it's so that like you make it a part of you so that when you need it it's subconscious it just you don't have to think about it like yeah. it's as much of like using your arm as it is using so she was jetpack. more basically saying practice with us a lot so that yes. you so that you have muscle memory for it right don't turn it on okay. indoors and like tony stark yourself into the seat yeah <laughs> sure all right that makes more sense uh well what's that's that's probably a good amount of time i do have more questions about boba fett i feel like we cut off on tangents but I'm still curious about Absolutely. Boba Fett as a character. The the thing that Boba Fett to me means for the Star Wars universe mm-hmm. is the inclusion and projection of what his adopted race is, which is the Mandalorians. Because since so I mean if you go back and look at it, since the original trilogy, there may not be a group as influential on star wars as a whole as the mandalorians including the jedi 
Sure. So like we get Django fat and Boba in the prequel trilogy. We get the clone army, which are clones of Mandalorians. Sure. In the, in the prequel trilogy, we have a seven year television show based upon the clone wars. Now we have the leading brand of their television content based around characters who are Mandalorians. You know, and um, we are going to get the television show Ahsoka. And I'm, I'm certain in that, that what's going to happen is that they are going to go and try and find Ezra Bridger, who was the star of Rebels. Mm. And one of the people that's going to go with them is that um, female Mandalorian from Rebels, who I cannot recall her name, with the paints. And she would paint everything and was a member of the Rebel Alliance. Right. And I think she'll be on the show. I hope she's on the show. She, Sabine Wren, that's her name. And she's um, she's a great character. I loved her on Rebels. I think she's fantastic. And I think that this is a good way for Disney to say, we're going to give you the heroics and martial prowess hmm. of a hero character without the godlike abilities of something like the Jedi Order always behind it. And so I think that while we'll get snippets of force users, I think we'll get them less than we will something like the Mandalorians, which I see as the like banner holding forebears of what it means to continue what Star Wars is going to be. Yeah. And I'm all for it. I think that's, I think it's a really interesting culture. You can delve into it as much as you want to or not. And like, the more they do with it, I think the more people will like it. I mean, this started off with a dude standing up against the wall with a gun. <laughs> it's all it takes, man. 40 years later, we're still going. It's gangbusters. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we'll have to talk about it more next time. Yep. Uh, thanks, everyone, for hanging out. It's good. always good to talk to you. Yeah. I always learn so much. At least what my at least my misinterpretations of things I read ten years ago, right? Yeah, but what you're doing is you're creating a special canon for me. That's good. <laughs> well, I can't wait. I, I can't quite remember how we usually sign off. I'm just gonna go this week. Let's just be simple. May mm. the force be with you. Mm. Thanks and for listening. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye.